You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. It's good to connect again, though it be digitally, and I pray and long for the day when I can see faces again and we can even embrace or whatever again. Anyway, until then, it's good to connect this way. Um, I'm going to go straight into it. Michael said earlier about we had such good weather this week. So if you're watching from overseas, uh, obviously uh, Patrick's is a big celebration here. And while we're in lockdown and so on, um, we did have great weather and we had a good few days of really sunny, mild weather. Now, about nine months ago, some of my neighbours where I live approached me and asked me, would I take over the residence association of where we live? We live on the edge of a village, and um, because it's rural, basically, but at the edge of the village, we're surrounded by a farm, farmland. And um, so there's a lot of maintenance, as well as a bit of bookwork, to lead a residence association. And one of the things I've noticed with the good weather, and Denise has been with me doing it, is how easy it is for brambles and briars and thorns to kill good plants. And as I've been doing this for a while, and particularly the last week or two, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me to say, this is so many people today. And if I don't watch it personally, it'll be me too. So the title of what I'm talking about today is Spiritually Choking? Question mark. Is this you? Or is it someone you love? So it all is to do with how we can choke in our spiritual life. And I think particularly during this pandemic, a lot of people are choking. So I'm going to look at Luke 8 and also Psalm 116 briefly um, and just go through what they say. But let me get your brains and your hearts and your souls hopefully onto the same wavelength. Uh, numbers are really important in the Bible. Um, and there's a whole biblical school of thought called numerology. I won't go into it. But the Bible tells us to count our days, number our years. Because we will come to a time when we will no longer live on this earth. So we need to have a sobriety and know how long we're going to be on the planet. The reason you're able to watch or listen to this message is because of numbers. It's called coding. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, podcast, it's code. And that's numerical, it's arithmetic. But the Bible speaks a lot about numbers. Let me talk about the number four, for example. So, you know that there are four seasons. We are now in the season of spring. It's lovely. Michael spoke about it earlier. We're heading towards summer. So we've got four seasons in this part of the world. Nature has the number four. We know that there are four temperaments when it comes to human temperaments and so on. We did a number of studies here in the church I did them, Michael did them, Denise did them. So, for example, the four main ones are, are you yellow? We use the colour code, which is sanguine, extrovert. Are you choleric, which is red, the very focused type? Are you melancholic or blue, the creative type? 
or are you phlegmatic or green, the caring type? And so these are very roughly the four temperaments. We're all a mixture, but we primarily are one of those. But another four is what I'm calling the four soils. It's very interesting. I don't have time to go into the depth of this. So as I have said all my public ministry life, what I am ever preaching, if you really want to get the full benefit, feed yourself at home as well. So this is providing the main course, but if you want a starter or dessert and to get all of the appetizers, you need to do a bit of research yourself. But the four soils is all about, I'm sure you know it, the four types of soils that Jesus told us in the scripture as a parable, the parable of the seed. And I'm sure many of you who may be watching in will know we have the soil on the path, the soil in the rocks, the soil where there were thorns, and then there was the best soil of all. So I'm going to look at Luke 8 briefly, and I appeal to you, because I think this is probably one of the most important messages I've shared in a long time. Seriously. And, and I would plead with you to not tune out, not to go away, but just for the next 25 minutes or so, just hear maybe what the Spirit might want to say to us as a church community, but I believe he's saying it all over the world as well. So as we look at the scripture, I pray, Lord, would you soften any hard hearts, and would you break through closed mind? God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here is a synopsis of Jesus' parable of the sower and the seed, or the four soils. A farmer went to sow his seed. Some seed fell on the path, but the birds ate it. Some seed fell among rocks, but after they grew a little, they withered because there was no depth to the soil. More seed fell among thorns. The seed grew for a while, but then the thorns choked the plant. However, some seed fell on good soil and produced a crop even of 100-fold. Now that's a very brief synopsis of the four soils. Honestly, I'm talking about you and the people you love. And I'm also including myself. I'm talking about me as well. I think there's a danger, and this is my fault myself, that when I read that parable over the years, I just saw it only in terms of evangelism. And while it primarily is about that, I think there's a bit more. It's a lot more nuanced and a lot deeper than just people coming to faith or not. Look at the one I want to look at today. More seed fell among thorns. The seed grew for a while, but then the thorns choked the plants. We had beautiful weather this week. On Thursday, Denise and I were doing our civic duty. That's how I was raised, even before I was a Christian. We want to not just look after ourselves, but try and be a blessing where we live. So we get involved in the residence association and do what we can. But we were trying, because we're in a rural area, there's a load of greens in our estate, but there's only a few houses there. 
And so we were trying to tame back a, a, a hidden corner of the public realm in our estate. And about 12 years ago, the developer planted some beautiful trees, bushes and plants. But the brambles and the briars, we call them shyaks in Ireland, and the thorns were literally killing all of the plants. I had already started this, and there before me, I saw a physical, prophetic confirmation of what I knew God wanted me to share, right in front of me. Beautiful, gorgeous plants dying because nobody had cut back the thorns in that area. And I knew the Holy Spirit was saying it to me. And here is what I was working on days earlier. And when Jesus was asked by the disciples, can you put some meat in the bones of what you were saying? And Jesus explained how the seed was the word of God and all of that. But he said this about this type of soil, because this is what I'm focusing on today. Jesus said the seed that fell among the thorns are those who hear the word, but on the way, and that's very important, or on the journey, they are choked by this world's care, cares, and they do not mature. Hmm. Now, don't look at maturity in terms of a linear way like years. If you say, well, he or she is someone who asked the Lord into their lives 20 years ago, they're mature. Ain't necessarily so. Maturity can come a lot later for some. You can have someone who's barely two years a Christian and they're as mature as you can get. And you can have someone a long time later and they still haven't really gotten to that place. So my submission to you is that in any Christian church there are quite a number of people who haven't quite hit that mature rank yet. And if thorns are allowed to choke them, the cares of this world, and my goodness do we have cares in this lockdown during this pandemic for the last year, then they and even we can choke, can choke. So I began to go down this road, and here's what I believe the Lord is saying, and it's all about our faith journey. You and I following the Lord as best we can through very trying circumstances, and how our faith is attacked by the cares of this world. Look at one. Let me just give you three examples. You know the wonderful miracle of the loaves and fishes. Jesus was preaching, thousands were there. And everyone remembers the big miracle. But look at what Jesus said before the miracle. He said to his disciples, I have compassion for these people, Jesus said. They have journeyed with us for three days and have had nothing to eat. I feel challenged by this. I wonder, would I, would I even skip my meals to come to church, or, you know, but for three days they had nothing. Now remember, Jesus wasn't just someone who exaggerated. It's not like the 5,000 had a packet of Snickers and a bag of potatoes and they were kind of snacking as they were going along. No, nothing means, um, nothing. Nothing. Thank you, Michael. Nothing to eat. No, they were following Jesus. They were there, they had nothing to eat because they wanted to do the right thing. They wanted to hear the word of life from Jesus Christ. These were good people, and yet they were hungry. How many of us today <coughs> have lost our jobs? 
How many of us have financial pressure? <coughs> Why? Because of this lockdown. Ireland had almost no unemployment a year ago. And what is it now? 25% or something? <coughs> because so many businesses have been locked down. And these are, many of these are good people. People who follow Jesus. And through no fault of their own, they find themselves challenged financially. Challenged to pay the rent or pay the mortgage. We see it in the scripture. So there was a financial choking going on. Not only that, we can read elsewhere in scripture about relationships dying. Either relationships ending or death. <coughs> Jacob was a chancer. But God transformed him. He wrestled with God in Bethel. And God smote his hip. And when he was wounded, he was a changed man. He was known as Israel. The changed man was doing the right thing. And while traveling with his wife, we're told, his wife, who he loved, Rachel, but Rachel died on the way as she and Jacob journeyed from Bethel, the place of God, to Bethlehem, the house of bread. She died. And it was on the journey. It was during this journey. And you and I have been called for whatever reason. God has destined. Your destiny is to live through this pandemic. And all of the challenges and the trials and the heartache and the opportunities that it brings. I do appreciate that there are a minority of people, one person described it as my dirty little secret, who are actually quite happy during the lockdown. But, you know, we rejoice with you if that's you, praise God. But we're equally called to weep with those who weep. And a lot of people are not having a good time during this. And here we have Jacob who lost his, life, his wife on the way. Now, you might say, who's died? Well, a neighbour of ours in our small estate, who we're very friendly with, her dad died of the virus only about four weeks ago. Relatively young man, dead. He died. Thankfully, nobody in the church, by the grace of God it won't happen, has died from the virus. But a lot of friendships have died. You see, this pandemic has thrown up all kinds of curveballs into people's lives. So many people, do you know that an awful lot of people just can't handle something like Zoom? Whether they're shy or they're impatient or whatever, but they just don't like the Zoom thing. They find it very difficult. Let me go back a couple of generations, way back in the day. I'm doing family research at the moment. In the 1920s, a lot of my granduncles and grandads emigrated to America, Australia and so on. And a lot of them just weren't good at writing letters. It's not that they didn't love their family at home. They just weren't the letter-writing type. Guess what happened to those relationships? They died. They withered on the vine. Not because anyone necessarily wanted it, but because they physically couldn't connect. And I think there's an awful lot of people who just struggle with connecting with some kind of a Zoom group. Some people take to it like a duck to water, but a lot of people don't. And so there are, or even video chats, and so there's a lot of friendships that are really struggling. There's marriages that are ending because the couple are cooped up in a small space and it's just trouble. 
So a bit like Jacob with Rachel dying on the way, I think some of the thorns, some of the choking that many people are going through, many Christians are going through, is actually relational. Let me give you one final one. You know this, it's a wonderful Easter account. But Jesus has been crucified, unknown to most of his disciples, he's risen from the dead. But two of them were walking on the road to Emmaus. Here's just two or three verses. Two disciples were walking and talking on the road to Emmaus. Many of you know this account. These are followers of Jesus and they're walking to Emmaus. Then Jesus, remember now he's risen from the dead, came alongside them as they were walking, but they didn't recognize him. He hid his reality from them. So they're walking, they're doing the right thing, they're on the journey, Jesus is by their side. And then we're told in verse 17 of Luke 24, when Jesus asked them what was the matter, they stood still with their faces downcast. How did Jesus know something was the matter? On one level, they're walking and talking. I don't know that they were encouraging each other. Because what we know from the full story, story, they were deeply disillusioned. They had thought that Jesus would do it this way, and it didn't work out that way, so they were disillusioned. I know many of you are disillusioned. You know, I stood just in front of the atrium sign here a year ago, announcing to the church that we were having to go into lockdown. And I remember using the words, but this too will pass. And I don't take back those words, it will pass. But I thought it would be way past by now, and it's not. And so a lot of people can get very disillusioned because Jesus isn't doing it the way I thought he would. And so these two were disillusioned, and Jesus saw that. And Jesus, they obviously were not encouraging one another. And I just wonder how many people are disillusioned. Disillusioned because they can't come to church. Disillusioned with their relationship with God. You know, when you do not have the battery boost of coming into a large enthusiastic gathering where people love you, where there is a great celebration, where you meet your friends, you have coffee afterwards, your kids are happy in kids' church, your teenagers are going to their uh, tribute church. We're all in together, we're crushed in, we're praising God. There's a great song, there's a great crack. Hallelujah, it's a great thing. And you don't have the battery boost to your spiritual battery or my spiritual battery. And horror of horrors, we're on our own. And we've got to make it work without that huge boost. Now that is hard for some more than others, I perceive. But it's hard. And, and how are we going to get through this? And what are we going to do? So, let me just summarize. On the journey, and all of these are on the journey, and even the choking plants were growing, but they didn't come to maturity, which clearly means there was quite a bit of time there. But on the journey, we see the cares of this world choking people. If you are struggling 
emotionally, it's going to affect your spirituality. If you're struggling mentally, it's going to affect your uh, spirituality. The cares of this life are so many different things. But you know, sometimes they're small. A lot of people are saying to me, my hands are raw from constant washing with strong detergents. Other people are saying, I don't know how often I've gone to the supermarket and realised I didn't bring a face mask and I can't go in. All that low-level stuff is irksome. And then you have a build-up of that and you can't pay the mortgage and you go home and him or her indoors isn't great with you because you're frustrated and you're going, where is God in all of this? I can't even see my friends at church. This is really rough. Hunger. How many people have a financial issue? How about grieving for lost friendships, broken marriages, families not connecting, and then the big one, disillusioned. Oh, that's probably the worst. Just being disillusioned with it all. Very easy for you, Tom, I can hear you say, to point out where things can go wrong. Is there any hope? Yes, there is. Hallelujah. I want to share something, Psalm 116, a few verses from this. Here's why I'm sharing it. We were having dinner together as a family, my daughter Dara, hi Dara, our youth pastor here in Grace. Uh, Dara was telling me how one of the online churches she watches, as well as Grace, was um, Potter's House in Texas, Bishop T.D. Jakes, brilliant preacher. But uh, T.D. Jakes was preaching from Psalm 116. It really got my interest because I get a number of pastoral blogs that I read and a Christian friend who's a pastor in England had been preaching on this and another guy in uh, Germany had been preaching on it and another one in another place in America. It's like spontaneously Psalm 116 is just coming up all over the world. I have been reading Psalm 116. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know God is speaking through this. And Psalm 116 is prophetic, can I submit to you? That God is speaking to all of us. Whether you're in Brazil, locked down, and it's terrible over there with the virus, or in America, or the UK, or France, or Germany. I was going to say Australia, but no, you're grand down there, really. But most of us in this current situation, let me read the prophetic words from very short Psalm. I love the Lord. Why? Because I'm told to? Because it's the right doctrine? I love the Lord because he heard my cry. Hallelujah. The cords of death were what? Choking me. Choking me. And I was overcome by trouble, hello, and sorrow. But, but, I love but in the Bible. Then I cried out to the Lord, so be at rest once again, O my soul. And the last verse of this, for the Lord has delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. Hallelujah. Now, we think it was most probably David wrote this. Most Bible scholars agree, but even if it wasn't, if you look at David's life or any of the others, 
What does it mean that God delivered them from all of these things? Is it, well, I got a real peace in the middle of the storm, thank you, Lord. No, I've had real peace in the middle of the storm, and I'm telling you, it's got me through many a, a difficult time. But we're not talking peace in the middle of the storm here. We're not talking about a nice feeling just to help me get through. We're talking real, hard, positive deliverance. Uh, this was happening, and I got out of it. So there's nothing woolly or kind of imaginary about this. This is real-time deliverance that you can feel, touch, smell, breathe. That's what David and all of the other psalmists were talking about. And so God delivered them in real time, allowed them to get out of it and allowed David to get out of it. This is the prophetic word. How do you do that? That's grand, Tom. Where can I cash that check in? What I'm hearing all over the world, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit saying it to the church, and I believe this with all my own heart as well and my own experience, there are really two ways we can do this. Praise and worship and prayer. Now, I desperately miss our congregational worship and praise. I love it. What do I do? Not praise? That's not an option. If you don't have one, Try and start finding, whether it's Hillsong in Australia, or, um, I don't know, Red Collective up in Belfast, or our own worship guys here. Start worshipping God yourself. Ah, come on, Tom. Just a thing on a, on a tape, or on, a, on my iPhone. Do you know what? This is the only way we can do it. Worship God. Join in. We're going to have a worship song when we end a little later. And if you're on your own, and even if you're not, how about worshipping God to that? It's a brilliant song, a real builder. Start praising God and worshipping God to worship music. Because until we can come together again, and of course we will, but we don't know how long it's going to be. Until then, you and I don't have the luxury of not worshipping and praising God. Would anyone say amen? Amen. And the other thing is prayer. When David said, I cried out to the Lord, did he just go, ah! He prayed. Get on your knees. Did you get on your knees this week? Cry out to God. Deliver me from this disillusionment. Help me from this friendship that's just dying on the vine. Oh God, be my Jehovah, my Yahweh, Yairan. Help me pay my bills. Oh God, do not let me choke by the cares of this world so that my faith is shipwrecked. I want to be the faith, the seed that fell on good soil. Deliver me from the thorns, oh God. You and I have a choice. See, all of our lives is about choices. All of our future is determined by choices. Do I allow this pandemic to destroy me? You see, the coronavirus has a whole load of ugly children. Boys and girls and cousins and aunts and uncles. So hunger or unemployment or friendships and marriages breaking down or the cares of this world or disillusionment, it is all coming from an evil source. Remember, Jesus always brought life, and he healed. But the evil one brings death. But just, we're in a fallen world where the evil one has a lot of sway, the prince of the power of the air. With this virus raging again all over the world, you know what? We have a choice. 
We can let it destroy us with all its ugly children, or we can make a choice to praise and worship God, to pray and to cry out to the Lord, and together and individually to see Him, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to see and feel and experience the Lord deliver us from our troubles and from this care. When we pray, we pour it out to the Lord. We pray, we persevere through this season. We refuse to be a victim or a casualty of all of this. Let me quote T.D. Jakes, for example. He says, pain is not a prophecy of your destruction. And I think so many of us, when we're going through a painful or a challenging time, we think it's the end. I've done it. I've done it. But it's not the end. It's a season that God has destined you and me to go through so that we can get stronger. It's not the end. It's just a sign that we're on the way. Like Jacob, like the two on the Emmaus Road, like the 5,000 who are hungry, we're on our journey, and this is something we encounter on the journey. T.D. Jakes goes on to say this, the more frustrating the environment, the more fruitful the individual. Oh, I know there's a lot of people frustrated. Frustrated with the vaccine rollout, or frustrated that there are vaccines, frustrated with the lockdown, there's too much lockdown, there's not enough, frustrated with all kinds of things. But you know what? Whatever you're frustrated with, if you're sincere before God, this will bring great fruit in your life. You might say, eh, I'll do without that fruit. We don't get that choice. God has determined this. But we do get the choice as to how we respond and react to it. Let me give you one final scripture. And I love this scripture. Because this says it all to me. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. No. Amen. Sometimes no is good. No. We are those who persevere and are saved. And are saved. The day will come when you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Are we really going to say, it was too hard, I gave up? Believe me, many are giving up. People we may not even have ever dreamed of. Very easy to give up. Very easy to do well, I try and survive myself. Grant, you know, God bless you, but it's so easy. Are we going to shrink back? Are we going to allow ourselves to be destroyed? Because Hebrews 10.39 showed a whole different attitude. And let me promise you this, without fear of contradiction, what the first century Christians had to put up with was nothing like this lockdown. This is a child's picnic. Not even a child's picnic, it's a teddy bear's picnic compared to our ancestors in the faith. Remember, women were dragged from their homes, and we know from history, pulled by their hair, flogged whipped in prison, people lost their homes, lost their lives, lost their families, hidden holes in the ground, hello, hello, and we can't go to Spain to Tarmelinas or whatever for two weeks and that's why we're really angry, I get it, I like my bit in the sun like everyone else, but you know what, let's get into perspective, as sons and daughters of the living king, Let's just mature a little bit and inform our conscience in this way. I know it's not ideal, but it could be way worse. And when we look at our brothers and sisters who way back then said, we're not going to shrink back, 
We're not going to allow all of this to destroy us. No, we're going to keep on and we will be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So brothers and sisters, as I come to a conclusion, are you spiritually choking? Or if not you, is someone you love? Your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, your friend. I know that this bizarre season, which is a full hundred years since we've had anything like this, I know people are struggling, and we acknowledge it as a church. And I'm not going to do Pollyanna, happy, glad game and pretend people are struggling. But I refuse, ethically, biblically, in every way, I refuse to let the circumstances to determine who I really am. Because I am a son of the king. So are you, brothers. Sisters, you are daughters of the king. We are the head. We are not the tail. We were not called to go back and be destroyed. We were called to be overcomers. Hallelujah. To be more than conquerors. More than conquerors of a lockdown and a virus. Let's rise up. Let's choose to praise and worship God the best way we can right now. And let's get on our knees and cry out to the Lord for ourselves, for our loved ones, and that God would heal our land. Hallelujah. So I'm going to pray for that right now. And if you want to join in with me, please do. For yourself or for someone you love. Come Holy Spirit, break into our minds and our hearts. For any of our beloved brothers and sisters who are disillusioned right now, would you be the lifter up of their heads who say amen. 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 For our brothers and sisters who are struggling financially, oh God, would you be Jehovah Jireh for them. And Lord, provide for them so that they will not go without through no fault of their own. I pray for those who have lost a friendship, a family member relationship, or even a marriage. Oh God, would you heal their broken hearts? Would you give them patience and endurance? And would you raise up a friend who will love them, who will write that letter as it were, who will go the extra mile? Lord, for those who are choking, like those beautiful plants I looked at this week, and the brambles and the thorns are choking them. Lord, we take up a spiritual hatchet, and we hack back those thorns, and we do battle in the spiritual realm, and we say, Satan, be gone, and we say, oh God, cut back the thorns, and help our brothers, and help our sisters to breathe again. And not to be victims, but to be victorious. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, hear Amen. our prayer. We are weak, but you are strong. Heal us, O oh God, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. Heal our families and our friends. Heal our church community. And heal our land. We pray because you are the God who loves us. And we give it over to you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for spending the time and listening on live Facebook and Instagram. Thank you to everyone who's watching on Catch Up on those platforms. Thank you to those of you on YouTube, and particularly those listening on podcast. We appreciate your time. May God bring life out of this world today. And I look forward to ministering again 
next Sunday. God bless you and keep you, and here's the way.